I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, March 5, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY, or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have stuff again. We have a lot of stuff to discuss. We have some divergences out here. We have some interesting things depending on what chart you're looking at. So we're going to go over all that stuff in addition to a look around the horn, a bunch of the other markets that we look at, and we're going to discuss what exactly is that 302.41 on the chart right where price closed today, basically within 10 cents. We're going to get to that in a few moments. Let's look at the big picture. There's a couple of things that stand out. What I always like to do is look at or take heed of the first thing or two or even three that jump off the page at me when a chart populates the screen. So here we're looking at the daily chart. What stands out to me? Other than the fact that the market crashed and other than the fact that we've been going back and forth every other day since the bottom, what stood out to me today was the volume. Today's volume at about 172 million shares is basically the lightest day since the market crashed. That's interesting. That's a puzzle piece. That's on the table. The S&P was down 106 points on close today. The Dow was down 969 points. The volume in the SPY was the lightest day since around the 24th of February. I find that interesting. It's somewhat intriguing. It has to be a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's not anything we can act on independent of other stuff. We need more stuff. So that being said, we have to press on and see what else we have. We're going to look at other charts. Before we do that, let's just go over a couple of things on the daily chart that we've been discussing of late. We've been discussing a potential ABC pattern, right? So here, now all of a sudden, we have a lower low. So this still could be that same ABC pattern in works. We don't know yet. It would complete above the high of the A leg. They made an attempt for it yesterday, but they failed. So on the flip side of what I just said, this could be an epic failure. We need to realize that the market can basically do anything at any point in time. We can wake up to a huge gap down. We could wake up to a huge gap up. The market is a rodeo. We can't control the gap up or the gap down. You can't predict it. You can guess. You might be right. You might be wrong. Same goes with a coin flip. What we have are charts, and what we can do is look through as many as we can to decipher what they're saying. Do we have enough evidence, one way or the other, telling us something tangible? Let's talk about the downside for a second. Let's say we wake up to a gap down and the market's trading below 295. Why is 295 significant? Because that's basically around the top. It's not the top, but it's a ballpark figure. 296, 297, 295. It's around the upper range of the reversal candle that occurred on the 28th of February. That was last Friday. Tomorrow is next Friday. Fridays are interesting. You have two philosophies that go on. One is nobody wants to hold into the weekend. We know that thing. The other one is, is there going to be some kind of magic hand that comes out 
to save the market. The Fed's in there pumping liquidity. The bulls are cheering the Fed on. The bears are saying the Fed can't really save the day. What's the Fed going to do? Cure the virus? So from the bears camp, anything the Fed does is really just temporary at best. And by the way, that's probably true. And by the way, remember yesterday we discussed the fact that the media, or at least part of the media, pinned the rally on the Biden rally? Well, what happened to Biden today? Did he drop out of the race all of a sudden? There was no such thing as a Biden rally. It was like we discussed before. It was an excuse for the rally. The market rallies, they look for the excuse after the fact. They came up with Biden. That's it. Here's another one we can chalk up for the wall of shame. I caught a headline today on CNBC. They said that the market was back in correction territory. So apparently yesterday's rally up here somewhere put the rally out of correction territory. Now back in here, we're back in correction territory What's the difference between these two things? Nothing. They discount the fact that the market crashed and they want to try and tell you that the market is no longer in correction territory when it's above a certain number. It's hocus pocus. It's nonsense. Don't pay attention to them. Turn off the television. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of them know less than you. Before we move away from the daily chart, food for thought. As long as the market is below all the moving averages, meaning today we drop back below the 200 period moving average, that puts the market below all the moving averages. Now, of note, we've been back and forth through the 200 period moving average for the last several days. It diminishes the importance of said moving average. A little bit of a short hop, we're going to inside the numbers, but today there is a method to the madness... I want you to focus on a specific thing as we go through the daily commentary. Focus on that 302.41. Let me run through the early morning commentary, the pre-market morning notes. We had stocks on the move. We might as well hit that first. You'll see the second column from the right entry hit. Marriott, M-A-R, the second one down. We'll take a look at that. A-M-T-D, TD Ameritrade. We'll look at that one. And then Splunk says jump target. But we'll look at that one. It jumped the first target, but there's plenty to discuss on Splunk. Let's go back up and take a look at the commentary as the day goes on. And what you'll see early on, and this is from a broad brush, I want you to stop and start the video, read the notes on your own. But what you'll see is the market, meaning the S&P, began making a bearish pattern early on, had a fake out trying to go up north, but yet the bearish pattern ended up playing out wasn't exactly the bear flag pattern as it began, but early on, we were talking about where they were going. They were going to fill the gap. Where was the gap? 302.41. So you can see already at 10.05, we're zeroed in on the gap. And by the way, there's Splunk. We're going to get to the Splunk chart next. Let's continue on with the notes so you can read them on your own, see what the commentary was, Compare it against what the market did on your own and then see if any of this information can be beneficial to you during the trading day. Let's continue on scrolling through the notes. We're also keeping in mind that we still do have the ABC pattern working. So I'm trying to divulge or give as much information as I can throughout the trading day. Whatever's on tap, whatever's happening, whatever comes to mind, it's a tour guide scenario. 
Moving right along, scrolling up, and you can see middle of the day, here comes the gap, 302.41. Now, let me finish the notes. You can start and stop the video whenever you like, because there wasn't a whole lot that happened after that. The market bounced around. It stayed in a virtual chop shop the rest of the day. But I want to go back to the chart, and we'll go back and take a look at that same area, 302.43. Here's a five-minute chart, and you can see the beginning of the day down here, 9.35 candle on the five-minute chart. This is the first one of the day, and we came into the gap, and they stuck there all day long. They got above it by a little bit. They got below it by a little bit, and in this market, you know, 10 or 15 S&P handles is a little bit, even 25 handles. They went down to the big fat round number of what? ES 3000, basically 300 in the SPY. They hit 300.01. That's no accident nor a coincidence. It was also cited inside the numbers that below the gap, that would be the next objective. Lo and behold, that was the next objective. And then what did they do? They went back to the 302.41. So here's the point. Sometimes numbers are important for a variety of reasons. Sometimes when the market hangs around a specific number, while it was a gap and it was an important gap for a point in time, but the longer the market hung around down there at 302.41, the more important that general price area becomes. How is that helpful? It's very helpful because when you see the market creating a pivot around a certain area, you know what happens above it, you know what happens below. If they keep coming back to that same number or that same general area like a magnet or being magnetic to price, that's how we use it as a pivot and we know above it becomes bullish, below it becomes bearish. And for me, I start looking at the hourly closes above and below what seems to be an important area. So we bounced off of it first, we closed below it once, we closed below it twice, and then at the end of the day, they jam the market back up and the daily chart says one number, the 60-minute chart says another number, but both numbers, 302.43 on the hourly chart, both numbers are above 302.41. So for me, it's of note, it's a puzzle piece, it's on the table. What else we got on the hourly chart? Well, here's what else we have. Any trader that's taken the course, lazy e-mini trader, will notice something very important from a time perspective and we just can't discount it. You know what I say when things start to stack up one on top of the other? We begin to put the puzzle pieces on the table and generally speaking a picture is going to emerge. So we have an important price zone. That's item number one. We have time on our side from an hourly chart perspective. Item number two. Doesn't the market ebb and flow under normal garden variety conditions? Yes, it does. So let me explain something. The market runs up, it pulls back. It runs up again, it pulls back. Now we can't necessarily predict the magnitude to which the market runs up or declines, but if it stays in a specific trend, we can at least trade the trend. So here again, the market runs up and we have a gap down and we have still a higher low. So we're still, from a very short-term perspective, in a potentially trending upward market. And that will remain the case until and unless they break the lows that we just discussed right here. 
They break these lows and that trend is broken and that conversation is off the table. But this is how you read the tape. So what do we have? On the daily chart, we have an interesting volume print today. It wasn't tremendous volume on a pretty big down day. Of note, puzzle piece on the table. Hourly chart on time. Still trending, hasn't broke these lows, so as long as it stays above these lows, there's a chance for a higher low and a continuation of another move higher. And oh, by the way, back to the daily chart, the ABC pattern is still intact. Nobody said this is easy, but you can see how this goes. You can see how the market works, and you can see how as the day and as days go on, the story unfolds, the picture unfolds, and it's either going to be bearish tomorrow or it's still going to be bullish tomorrow, and we'll know in the morning. That's the way it works. That information in and of itself will produce a trade in the S&P. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Thumped. The S&P was thumped. The IWM was thumped. The chart looks horrible. Obviously, I don't mean to be Captain Obvious. It's just on top of mind. The chart looks terrible. Let's do this one in simple terms. Let's say the market's going south. Obviously, the low over here from last Friday is the bogey. What happens below that low? Well, we can't see anything on this chart unless we scroll around. So let's go to the weekly chart. That low is important. If you remember, we've been looking at this spot. That's why that 144 and a quarter, 144.29 was on there. If these lows are broken on a closing basis, so for example, here we come into Friday. It's the end of the week. Here's a weekly chart. What happens if we close below all that stuff after Friday closes? That's bearish. That means they're headed to the next area of support. Where is that? 137 give or take but it's in the neighborhood of 137 that's not the last one that's just the next one so therefore it's showtime for the iwm they have to get up and go or they're gonna fall out of bed my second favorite market leading indicator the folks down at the transportation department holy smokes this thing is the canary in the coal mine down over 20 percent from the high How you doing? We obviously need the weekly chart for this one, and look what we're coming into. We're coming into the area that we just talked about. It wasn't that long ago. I think it was yesterday, the day before. I mean, it's redonkulous how fast these markets move. The amount of points they're covering in one shot is just staggering. 5%, 500 points in the transports. Why is this going on? The airlines, huge part of it. Travel, commerce, coronavirus our black swan event. The transports are coming into their double bottom. The low is 86.36 and change. What do we have after that? We have to go to another chart. We talked about it already. We have the 100 period moving average, which, oh, by the way, it's not that far off from a really, really juicy monthly area. Break up candle low. I don't have the line right at the low. I just put it arbitrarily in that zone. You have below the 100, a breakup candle low, a consolidation area where the market absolutely broke out from. So this would be a former breakout area. So therefore, the transports will pay a visit at some point in time back to that area. Seems pretty obvious now, but now that it's getting closer, we need to know about it. Why? Because In the risk business, these are the areas where we put risk on when you're in the risk business. Won't feel right at the time. 
will feel wrong at the time, but that's when you know it's right. It's not going to be right 100% of the time, but think about it for a second. This is a monthly chart. So any trader that does choose to take a trade based on a monthly chart has to understand that intra-month, anything goes. Where they close the month will make the determining factor. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Qs? Now, we know this is a skewed index because maybe five or six stocks make up about half of the index. However, it's interesting that it doesn't look like the S&P, certainly doesn't look like the transports, does not look like the IWM. Therefore, we have to note that there still is money fighting the trend. The fund managers, the money managers that got caught in these big tech stocks, their Hail Mary is averaging down. Let's talk about that for a second. Not the averaging down, but the big tech stocks. We'll start with Amazon. You're a fund manager. Amazon goes up every single day before the market crashed. You have to own Amazon. It's like peer pressure. So... I'm not saying that there were many funds or any funds. I don't know who bought Amazon where, but what I do know is it's a widely held stock. And I do know that fund managers, money managers, tend to chase returns. They can't help themselves. So certainly there are plenty of managers out there that own Amazon from very, very low prices that never sold any. I get that. But there's a flip side. There are also managers, and they could be one and the same. They could continue to buy it on the way up. There are managers that absolutely bought Amazon up here, okay, over $2,000 a share. It just is what it is. They'll never admit it. They're not going to be the ones paraded on TV, but they are the ones averaging down. Or they already pitched it, and it was part of the shoving 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag on the way out. You remember that one really, really fast. Picture that in your mind. That's what it looked like last week. Apple, same routine. But when you look at a monthly chart, there's nothing wrong with the trend. As crazy as that sounds, and albeit Apple can come back down to test its moving average, the 20-period moving average, what we like to call home base, which is all the way down at 222. I'm not saying it's doing that anytime soon. This is a monthly chart. These things take time. The market goes back and forth in the middle of wherever it's going. But the trend is still up in Apple from a long-term perspective. I can tell you, here's a weekly chart. I can tell you that fund managers, they don't really look at charts. They don't really do a lot of technical analysis. They're basically doing fundamental analysis. Now, I believe it's hocus pocus, but they believe whatever they believe. But they do look at one thing on a chart. Not only one thing, but I know many fund managers look at one thing if they look at anything. They look at a weekly chart, and they look at a 50-week moving average. And as long as price on whatever they're looking at is above the 50-week moving average, they think it's okay. And from a long-term perspective, the trend remains positive above the 50-week moving average, so they're okay with market corrections along the way. Markets go up, markets go down. When markets go down, as long as they're in positive territory from what they measure, they're willing to buy more. Just a little insight into the mindset, not of all fund managers, but many fund managers. They all own Microsoft. Microsoft was a monster. It goes up every single day before the market crashed. They have to own Microsoft. The trend is up. It came down to test its weekly 
Home base, 20 period moving average. Look at Netflix, above all its moving averages. So herein lies the reasons, herein lies the explanation for the difference in the look on the Q chart. Make no mistake about it, I just picked a random symbol off my list. No rhyme or reason, but make no mistake about it, there are plenty of charts that look like this. That's why you have to take the cues with a grain of salt. Too much waiting is in the list of stocks that I just showed, plus one or two more. There's a whole lot more stocks across the marketplace that look like this. Back in our lane, how quickly the financials unravel. Without the financials, the market's not going anywhere. The financials are weak. The financials were down almost 5% today. That's a thrashing. That's a thrubbing, a drubbing, whatever you want to call it. It's a woodshed day across the financials. The 10-year yield, directly related to the financials. That's why we're having an interest rate discussion real quick. It's less than 1%. It says 9.26. It's really 0.0926 or 0.926. It's less than 1%. Here's the monthly chart. Are they going to zero? Maybe. I don't know. I never thought we would be down here, so I am surprised. However, this will set up another huge short in the TLT or you buy the TBT or a like product. Now, there's a Fed meeting later this month. They're expected to cut rates again. At least that's what the betting line says. Will they do it? Will they hold off? It's Kabuki Theater have no idea. I'm watching the TLT. I'm watching interest rates. At some point soon, this is going to set up the short of the century. Now, the century is a little wide. We'll go down to decade. It's going to take a long time to play out, but there's a lot of room north of zero. It's not going to stay down here forever, meaning interest rates and the bond market up here. Truly remarkable. Just about on par today with the S&P was Smash Mouth SMH, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index proxy deal. It's a meet me in the middle. Doesn't look as bad as some charts. Looks worse than others. Looks more like the S&P than it doesn't. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? It's all true, and I thank you for it. I absolutely love making these videos. That being said, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to pull the ripcord for today. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. So that'll give it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.